It is obvious that it is in everyone's interest to fight climate change. Central banks and supervisors are progressively looking into playing an active role in the debate and working with banks to prepare for and manage the climate risks. Welcome to Energy 360, the podcast from the CSIS Energy Security and Climate Change Program. I'm your host, Lisa Highland. I'm excited to share this week's episode with you. Our guest is Yanis Dunaris, Governor of the Bank of Greece. Governor Stunaris joins my colleague Nico Safos here in the Energy Program and Stephanie Siegel with the CSIS Economics Program to talk about the economic impacts of climate change. Governor Stunaris discusses the approach that Greece has adopted to understand and prepare for climate risks, and he discusses the role that central banks can play in measuring these risks. Let me turn it over to Nikos now to start this conversation. Governor Stunaris, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I wanted to begin our conversation by talking about climate change and what it means for Greece. So the Bank of Greece has uh, published its first paper on the economic impacts of climate change nearly a decade ago. Um, what risks does climate change pose to a country like Greece? And how has this changed over the decade that you have been studying it? What kind of analytical work have you done to understand these risks? Well, first of all, thank you for giving me the opportunity to exchange views with you. Indeed, as the Central Bank of Greece, um, we recognized over a decade ago the significant climate and uh, environmental risks that the financial system is facing. Uh, it is for this reason that we have been systematically working on issues of sustainability and climate change since 2009, when we set up an interdisciplinary committee of scientists, what we call uh, the Climate Change Impact Study Committee, a work group dedicated to the study of climate change in Greece. It has economists, engineers, and uh, many other disciplines. Our studies highlight the wealth of Greece's natural resources, but also the risks posed to the country's natural and human environment by climate change, which appears to be a major threat for almost all sectors of the Greek economy. According to a vulnerability assessment, agriculture, tourism, coastal systems and water reserves will be considerably affected. Current projections are even more dire, and we expect this trend to continue as climate change remains unabated. Climate and sustainability have always been high on our agenda, and I personally have been addressing those issues on every occasion. It is telling that uh, the Bank of Greece, uh, the ECB, and the Bank of England have been named the three most vocal central banks worldwide. If I could follow up then on um, on your answer, I mean, it, it is clear in many respects, I think, on this issue, the Bank of Greece has been ahead of its time and the rest of the world and many central banks are now catching up and appreciating the impacts of climate. At the same time, there's a lot of discussion um, regarding where climate change fits within the remit of central bank mandates. And so we, we know that climate change entails both physical and transition risks, but can you talk about how those risks impact on central bank mandates and specifically price and financial system stability? Yes, of course. Climate-related risks um, are a source of financial risk. Both physical and transition risks like more frequent and more extreme weather events uh, or a late and abrupt transition to a low carbon economy um, could have a significant impact uh, on the financial system. 
It is therefore within the mandate of central banks and supervisors to ensure that the financial system is resilient to all these risks. The COVID-19 pandemic has created unprecedented conditions that have underlined the climate crisis. Uh, to give you an example, the lockdowns are estimated to incur a reduction of 4 to 7 percent on global CO emissions for 2020. Yet, to mitigate climate change and keep temperature below the 1.5 uh, degrees target, uh, I talk about Celsius, uh, we would need at least a similar reduction every year until 2030. This is how drastic the necessary measures are and the pandemic underlines the structural changes we need towards carbon neutral economy. Yet, as every crisis presents an opportunity, the COVID-19 crisis presents an opportunity for a green recovery through the use of the next generation EU fund, which is the new initiative of the European Commission, part of which is uh, earmarked for green energy investments. This will facilitate the transition to a carbon neutral economy, adapting to climate change and creating resilient infrastructures. Over the next months and possibly years, it is estimated that countries will invest over $20 trillion to recover from the fallout of COVID-19. These financial and investment decisions will determine to a great extent the future of our societies and our ability to respond to the environmental challenges that the world is already facing today. Green recovery is an opportunity we cannot afford to miss. I do think we're going to have a chance to get into some of the specific um, actions that can mitigate climate change and some of the specifics you were referring to. You also mentioned the ECB among the central banks that are kind of on record as as prioritizing the issue of climate change. We also know that they're in the middle of their um, strategy review. And so I'm wondering if there's anything you can say about how climate change is feeding into their work in the context of that strategy review. Okay, there's no doubt that the main driver uh, will be governments and uh, political decisions. Uh, but uh, central banks cannot stay behind when it comes to climate change. And as part of the strategy review, the European Central Bank is indeed already exploring ways of taking the risk of climate change into account. There are three main ways uh, through which central banks can address climate change. The first is through the definition of rules and standards and research on the impact of climate change uh, for financial markets and monetary policy. The second way central banks can contribute is by being an environmentally mindful and responsible investor, for example, through central banks' pension funds. The third is by considering climate change parameters for the design of monetary policy operations. The euro system is already buying eligible green bonds as part of the corporate sector purchase program and the pandemic emergency purchase program. Yet, there is a question as to whether the euro system should do more in greening its asset purchases or in adjusting the conditions of its refinancing operations, including the collateral framework, to take risks related to climate change into consideration. There are two opposing arguments on this question. The argument of market neutrality, that central banks would overstep their mandate if they were to discriminate among investors on the basis of considerations that fall into, that fall into the realm of fiscal policy, and the argument that central banks 
need to respond to market failures and address the risks that climate change poses to price stability when designing their policy instruments. As you realize, I'm with the second argument. It is clear, however, uh, that since climate change poses risks to price stability, central banks could, within their traditional mandate, advance their efforts to support the transition to a carbon neutral economy and a resilient future. I wanted to ask you, Governor Stenaras, about one of those risks. So one of the concerns is that as, as we transition towards a low carbon energy system, that assets might become stranded uh, and that this uh, fact could jeopardize the financial system. Uh, can you talk to us about what can the central bank do to understand, to quantify, to mitigate against this risk? What role do stress tests and other future scenario exercises have in central bank thinking and policy in that regard? Uh, that's a very good question. In the process of mitigating climate change, uh, there are indeed um, certain risks. For example, transition risks arising from the adjustment to a carbon neutral economy as assets can become stranded or business may incur costs and disruptions. Yet, a careful and timely transition will also open up opportunities associated with innovation and new technologies, renewable energy products, energy-saving investments, new infrastructure and new jobs. Although methodologies for calculating climate-related risks for banks are still being developed, estimates suggest that the impact of these risks is likely to be significant. For example, the ECB has estimated that on average 15% of significant institutions' exposures are to the most carbon-intensive firms, and an abrupt transition to a low-carbon economy could have severe impact on climate-sensitive economic sectors. Climate change is the mother of all externalities. It is both a tragedy of the commons and what my ex-colleague in the Bank of England, Mark Carney, said, uh, a tragedy of the horizon as the effects of climate change unfold over a much longer time than the horizon usually taken into account by investors, banks, and policymakers. Banks measure and manage risks within a fairly short time frame, as the standard modeling rarely goes beyond the next 12 months, giving a short-sighted approach, given that climatic change takes many, many years, perhaps over a generation. To integrate climate change considerations we need to combine short-term risk management tools with mechanisms that will allow us to better understand and manage risks that are driven by more structural and long-term changes in our economies. So, due to the above externalities, markets do not price in climate change risks in a satisfactory way. In this context, the role of financial supervisors is to highlight the significance of climate-related risks. Proper risk management and measurement and disclosure will also allow both supervisors and banks to take climate risks into account, an ongoing process still at its early stages, yet increasingly crucial. It is obvious that it is in everyone's interest to fight climate change. Central banks and supervisors are progressively looking into playing an active role in the debate and working with banks to prepare for and manage the climate risks. Governor Stenaris, you mentioned earlier um, the topic of, of green asset purchases as being one of the ways 
when central banks can engage on climate change policies. On that topic of, of direct purchases, I guess I have two questions. The, the first is why green finance? So I, I think uh, there could be a lot of uh, candidates that could benefit from that kind of direct asset purchases. So, so why choose a priority issue? And might that not risk um, a further expansion getting into you know, a number of different markets where you could see then central bank direct intervention. And related to that, to the extent central banks are actually in the market and purchasing assets, doesn't that then squeeze out other participants? Wouldn't that be better to the extent we would require government intervention? Wouldn't that be better left to fiscal authorities to either make those purchases or subsidize market purchases? Thank you. Um, that's also a very crucial question. Green finance can advance government's climate policy, but it cannot replace it. It is, as you said, and always will be, a matter for politicians and policymakers to adopt effective climate action and make the necessary transition to a carbon-neutral economy. Climate change is a long-term problem and needs to be horizontally integrated into policymaking as its interlinkages affect all sectors of the economy. Policies toward net zero emissions can be pursued at the same time as the world seeks to recover from the COVID-19 crisis in a manner that supports economic growth, employment and income equality. According to a very recent IMF study, um, economic policies such as carbon pricing can help address climate change by affecting both the composition of energy high versus low emission sources, and total energy usage. Of course, as low-income households are more likely to be hurt by carbon pricing, governments should fully or partially rebate the carbon revenues through cash transfers to those affected, as we need to ensure both a growth-friendly and a just transition. A green infrastructure push will also achieve two goals. First, it will boost global GDP and employment, and second, it will increase productivity in low-carbon sectors, thereby incentivizing the private sector to invest in them and making it easier to adapt to higher carbon prices. If implemented, such policy programs would put the global economy on a sustainable path by reducing emissions and limiting climate change. In a nutshell, as the IMF study put it, decarbonization policies do not hurt growth, if cleverly planned. So, yes, there is definitely a role for central banks, but the main role in tackling climate change belongs with the governments. Central banks can help by considering how the physical and transition impact of climate change can be included in macroeconomic forecasting and financial stability monitoring. Also, central banks can help by integrating climate-related risks into prudential supervision, engaging with financial firms to ensure that climate-related risks are understood and integrated in risk management and investment. And of course, central banks can help by including sustainability factors into own portfolio management. The common objective should be to strengthen the global response required to meet the goals of the Paris Agreement and enhance the role of the financial system in managing risks and mobilizing capital for an environmentally sustainable development. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I just want to ask a follow-up question then. Would you, 
Would it be correct then to characterize direct purchases by central banks as a last resort done absent uh, adequate action on the part of governments? No, I wouldn't say uh, this, this is the last resort because governments uh, act uh, and act forcefully. I, I hope that all governments act forcefully because it is, uh, it is a public good problem. Climate change is, is the mother of all externalities. So uh, we, we need common action. So I hope uh, that uh, uh, central banks will not be the last result, but definitely the central banks, now uh, more than um, 50, if I'm right, um, central banks uh, participate in the NGSF, um, which is an organization of central banks um, responsible and uh, sensitive to climate change. So I, I wouldn't like to, to see it this way. Governor Spinaras, one of the other things we know about climate change is that it entails huge sort of physical risks that can lead to disruptions of livelihood and insurance payouts. So I wanted to ask you, what role can central banks play in thinking about it and in mitigating that risk? Yes, um, I think there is no question as to whether we should address climate change. Um, the cost of doing nothing is just too high. For, for Greece, uh, we, have, uh, we have made very specific estimates and uh, the cost is huge. Of course, we measure it up to 2,100, but it's big, it's really big. It's uh, uh, five times Greece's GDP. So uh, uh, the cost of doing nothing is very, very high. Uh, the adoption of policies and technologies leading to a carbon neutral world could mitigate the impact of climate change and offer opportunities for economic activity. Yet, even stopping all greenhouse gas emissions would not stop the climate change effects that are already occurring and which are likely to continue for decades. The global temperature averages predicted hide even more extreme regional impacts and these extremes have far-reaching events. In the EU alone, economic losses from weather and climate-related extremes are on average already 20 billion euros per year. The, these, these numbers come out mostly from, from insurance contracts. So, apart from financing the transition to a carbon-neutral uh, economy, it is imperative to also plan and finance climate change adaptation. Furthermore, current failure to implement climate action at the global level means that all nations will face the impact of the change, of the change in climate uh, to a more or less extent. Adaptation policies and adaptation financing will help avoid or lessen um, the cost of associated damages and improve the resilience of the countries. Efficient adaptation programs are seen as a damage control measure. For example, we have estimated that in Greece, adaptation can reduce the cost of climate impact by almost 30%. Recognizing the importance of adaptation, the Bank of Greece has signed an MOU with the Hellenic Ministry of Environment and Energy and uh, the Academy of Athens. And in 2015, we drafted uh, the National Climate Change Adaptation Strategy. This strategy sets out objectives, guiding principles and implementation tools for a growth-oriented adaptation strategy in line with European directives and international best practices. Furthermore, the Bank of Greece is currently working on the eight-year life ADAPT program that aims at advancing and promoting adaptation action in Greece, establishes monitoring mechanisms and strengthens the resilience of the Greek society through awareness and dissemination actions. 
Governor Stunaras, I, I wanted to switch gears a little bit. Um, you've mentioned uh, the importance of um, collective action when it comes to the topic of of climate change. You you also mentioned uh, the central banks and supervisors network for greening the financial system, the NGFS, which has been around now for a few years. Um, I, I think you mentioned it's 50 or so central banks that are participating in that. Can you talk a little bit more about the multilateral dimension of this problem? And in the event that everyone is not moving together, is it still the case that Greece, in the context of the euro area, so with the ECB, will move on its own? Or is there potentially a risk there, but by moving in the absence of action on the part of other parties and other large emitters in particular, that that would somehow disadvantage Greece, disadvantage the euro area? Yeah, not moving together is a very, very big problem. Uh, because we need common action here as a climate change is so big, it affects everybody. Um, so we, we need collective action. So indeed, climate change has sprung to the top of the public agenda. Uh, the World Economic Forum lists extreme weather and climate change policy failures as the gravest threats uh, for several years in a row. Moreover, this growing attention is echoed by international actors like the World Bank and the IMF. There are, of course, as you mentioned, multilateral dimensions to climate change. Traditional environmental problems are being dealt with locally. For instance, um, pollution in Chinese cities are being dealt with by the, the Chinese authorities. Yet, in the case of climate change, which I described the mother of all externalities, the problem is a public good one and solutions need to be universal. This provides motivation for collective global action, and yet, as no independent action will solve the issue, there are free riding incentives and difficulties with the compliance to international climate arrangements, as has been demonstrated by the, the Trump administration's decision to leave the Paris Agreement. On the other hand, we heard recently President von der Leyen announce new, more ambitious goals on EU greenhouse gas emissions. This level of ambition has already put the European Union on a pathway to reaching climate neutrality by 2050 and underlines a continued global climate leadership role. This strong political signaling will also attract private sector investments that are key to the success of the energy transition, along with financing instruments that will be instrumental in leveraging private sector engagement. And I also trust that the EU commitment will also inspire many to raise their own ambition. Therefore, I see uh, the European Union's prioritization of climate as an opportunity for Europe to be a leader um, on the global stage and get the first mover advantage by giving also the European industry a global competitive advantage. EU companies can be at the forefront of innovation, be key technology and material suppliers and service providers. Innovations picked and developed by the European industry can be implemented in many sectors worldwide, like renewable energy, buildings, transport, industry and agriculture. I cannot, of course, overstate the importance of joint action 
both at national and international level. For example, at the Bank of Greece, we have a broad network of collaborations on climate issues and are also working in close cooperation with the Hellenic Ministry of Environment and Energy. Likewise, on the global stage, there are important and ambitious initiatives that the Bank of Greece is participating at, such as the NGFS and the UNIPFI. The Bank of Greece is the first central bank worldwide to endorse the UNIPFI responsible banking principles. It is clear that we need collective action by governments, firms, investors, households and central banks to accelerate the transition towards a carbon-neutral economy and a strong framework to address the climate challenge. To maintain the temperature at the target of plus 1.5 degrees Celsius requires unprecedented mobilization, action and cooperation of all. Partnership for the goals is, after all, the 17th, last and perhaps the most fundamental goal of the United Nations for Sustainable Development. And just one one follow-up on the, the multilateral aspect of this. Um, and, and you mentioned again the main <clears throat> excuse me, the main role here is really for governments to act. Your counterparts are are fellow central bankers, but given your perspective on this, how optimistic are you that we are at a moment where multilateral collective action can be achieved. Are, are you seeing that sort of um, willingness to act in that spirit, at least among your central bank colleagues? Yes, I'm optimistic um, that uh, central banks, they, they, they will do their duty already at the, at the ECB. Uh, of course, I, I have mentioned the, the Bank of Greece. At, at the ECB, um, climate change will be part of our strategic review. And uh, as I told you, we are more than 50 now, 50 central banks, um, comprising the um, NGFS. Um, so I'm, I'm more and more optimistic that more central banks will be aware um, of the need uh, for common action. And uh, also as organizations that can, can affect the worldview, um, they can continue working to- towards this goal. Governor Stenaris, can you actually explain for this audience a little bit about the NGFS? I, I think it's maybe well known and understood in central bank circles, but maybe not so much outside of that. Well, it's, it's a collection of, uh, of central banks um, which are sensitive to, to climate change and they are thinking ways of um, achieving the, the, the goals through central bank action mostly. Uh, so either through asset purchases or through supervision activities. And does it have, is there a leader to this group or is it uh, truly a kind of collaborative uh, consensus uh, um, mechanism? I I think it's collaborative. Uh, I don't think there is a single leader. We we are all leaders (laughs) in this group, I think. I wanted to ask maybe one final question to bring us back to the topic of Greece. You talked about really the opportunity that the energy transition presents and the benefit that will accrue to the first movers and the new industries that will be created in this transition. So I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit, what, this, what does this look like for Greece? What are the opportunities for Greece in taking advantage of this transition and in developing either existing industries that it has, that it can become more competitive or larger, or in developing new industries? Well, um, Greece is already investing in uh, renewable uh, energy, renewable resources, 
it proceeds with uh, tough measures to decarbonize the economy, uh, close down lignite stations, uh, both in the, in the north and the Peloponnese, and also uh, now it will uh, exploit uh, to a very large extent the um, decision of the European Commission to launch this uh, next g- generation EU fund, which the emphasis uh, will be on, uh, on green energy and digital economy. Uh, perhaps a combination of the two. So uh, I think I'm, I'm more optimistic now uh, because the efforts of the Greek government will be complemented by, by the financing of the European, of the, of the European Commission uh, towards this goal. Well, thank you very much for joining us and for sharing your thoughts, Governor Sternaris. We really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Many thanks to Governor Stunaris for joining us this week. You can find more episodes of Energy 360 at CSIS.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at CSIS Energy. Thanks for listening.